Hey there, everybody. Shell Broadnax here with another episode of Stager Talk, and I am so excited today because we have the woman, the myth, the legend, the man, the myth, the legend, <laughs> Shell Minch and Todd McAllister. Welcome both. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Oh, I'm super excited. I will tell you, years and years and years, we've been doing this a long time together, we've known each other for over 15 years. And uh, let me tell you, people, if you are listening right now and you want to learn anything about, um, first of all, if you want to learn anything about anything, these are the people to go to. But specifically, they're going to talk at Resacon this year, uh, wholesale, retail, and everything in between, and how you can supercharge your inventory buying. Um, this is a super important topic because there's a way to buy and there's a way not to buy. There's so many mistakes that can be made and that you can avoid them. And thank goodness that Michelle and Todd have made all those mistakes already. So you don't have to. <laughs> We've made them <laughs> for you. Made them yes. for you. <laughs> you know, it's so funny whenever people talk about, you know, experts and everything and, and, you know, people just look at you like, oh, you're an expert and you just know everything. And like, you didn't ever hit any bumps in the road. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, an expert means that I saw those obstacles in the road and I built shit on top of it after I tore it down because I wrecked it. <laughs> you have to build it back up, right? You want to see my American Express card? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you, uh, do you get points? Oh, yeah. I have, right now I have over, um, I think I have like 1.2 million points. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> it's I a love whole- it. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk wholesale. What, um, I think a lot of people, I think there's a natural progression in staging, uh, get into stages, people get into staging. They don't have a hundred thousand dollars to invest to go out and buy inventory right off the bat. So you start out and you start doing the consultations and those work into the occupieds. And then you get a little bit more confidence under your belt. And then you go out and you say, okay, I'm going to rent furniture now. And then I'll get some storage space to store my pillows and tchotchkes and all that great stuff. And then there's a turning point, and it really seems to be year three to four, in my experience, where people say, you know what, I think I'm ready to make that jump, and then they start buying wholesale. What are some key indicators that you would say would need to be present where somebody would really want to consider doing that um, and making that move? Michelle, I'll start with you. Um, when Well, I uh, used rental furniture for the first nine years that I was in business. There you go. It was working out fine, um, but then uh, they brought in a new manager and um, doubled my prices, and I no no longer felt that I could be competitive. So I went to um, a bank, and I got a business line of credit, and um, at that point, I was in a 2,000-square-foot warehouse. I found an 8,000-square-foot warehouse and uh, started spending spending that line of credit um so for me i was kind of pushed into buying wholesale and um i figured uh i was i was spending about four hundred thousand dollars a year on renting furniture uh so i no matter how much buying wholesale cost me it would still be less than renting furniture so um that was that was my impetus Wow, that's incredible. Todd, how about you? I think for us, the transition was when, well, there were, it was a kind of a twofold thing. I think part of our growth was we realized we needed to do wholesale when we started to turn business away because we're like, 
we need to figure out what's going on. And at the time, we were still really young into all this. So we really didn't have a lot of competition. But what we did realize is a lot of our products were being eaten up by the purchasing of, you know, wholesale, not even wholesale furniture, but going to our local vendors and just getting, you know, a 10% discount or whatever. And what we started to realize is, is, you know, we were going over there and buying one thing at a time and we would like to buy two or three of that one thing, but they didn't have it. So then we had to pivot right away and go somewhere else. And it started to be a huge time suck because we were driving just all over town chasing things. And it, it started to quickly add up. So like, you know, we were shopping literally seven days a week. I felt like I was just, all I did was shop seven days a week, morning to night. And we would stage on the weekends and we were staging houses till two o'clock in the morning. And we just could not figure out where we were gonna go to get our wholesale furniture. And I went to market and nobody was interested in us at the time because it was staging. You know, who's a state? What's staging? No one was interested. You're not a brick and mortar. So we were shut down at the first market. And I'm frustrated because I'm like, you know, we've got money to spend. We saved money up to buy wholesale, but we couldn't get our foot in the door. So kind of long story short is um, I had some friends um, that owned local um, um, mattress companies here in town. They had mattress stores. And so we were able to get through Sean and Sherry. We were able to kind of get in to Ashley Furniture on their behalf a little bit and we dropped 10 grand and the second we got that account we became a legitimate business in other vendors eyes so yep. it was there was a transition point there but we had to fight like hell <laughs> to get that first order but buying wholesale i mean there's there's pluses and minuses to everything you go into retail you pay retail and you you know you walk away with it with wholesale purchasing, you have to assemble the furniture. You know, you've got to do all of those things that retailers do that you pay for upfront. So there's a there's you know pluses and minuses to everything in the world. But for us, buying wholesale was the pivoting point that changed the profitability of our business. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, when I hear I've known Michelle's story about her transition. And it just when I realized how much was going into the rental. I was like, wow, you're putting people's kids through college. And it's like, when you look at something like that, it's not that they don't have a good offer. They have good offers. It works. It worked for nine years. It was great. But at some point you just kind of, you're like, you said, you're either forced out or you grow out of it. And then you have to decide what do you want your business to look like? And I think it both worked out beautifully for y'all to be able to do it. And of course there are other things to be able to consider. You've got the logistics and the putting the furnitures together and how are you going to store it? Where are you going to store it? And I like Michelle's idea. She's always told people she's built up and it's a mezzanine. Mez, men, say it, Michelle. Mezzanine. Mezzanine. Build up. Don't take the sofas up there, people, because you're not going to get them down. So I'm going to be very efficient. But uh, you're, yeah, exactly. All the light stuff go up on top. And so you can, you know, use that vertical space instead of, you know, going out more. And I think also a lot of times people, will take their storage units and say, okay, well, I'm going to go and get 5,000. And they're like, oh, wait a minute. And they move in and it's full. And they're like, uh-oh. For me, a storage unit is one house of furniture, you know, like a, a 3,000 square foot house. Yep. Um, fill up one 10 by 20 storage unit. So it's, uh, and that's the most expensive warehouse space that you can own or use is uh, storage units. Yeah. Well, you know what staters are doing now. Um, I know at least one 
I'm sure there's others out there, but I know one just because I know her building her own building. Right. You can, you can that in Pasadena. Yeah, you can build your own building or or buy your own building. And then when you sell your business, that's a company asset that makes it even better. Right. What a sweet deal that's going to be for somebody one day. Mm -hmm. I yep. know a few years that own their own buildings. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. This is, I don't want to. You don't, don't want to say? Well, I don't know. I don't have their permission to mention True. them. But it's but, exciting. It's definitely yeah. exciting to see people to be able to go out and do that. It's really the difference in the last 21 years that I've seen in the industry where, you know, people were doing this and they were fledgling businesses and everybody wanted to be a, a real business and uh, everything started out just kind of being a hobby and everything's mm -hmm. changed over the years. I too, Todd, was trying to get into the, the furniture markets for stagers yeah. on stagers behalf to it's like knocking on their door six years it took me. Every single year calling till finally light bulbs went off and it was like, oh, thank you. Now it, it's all, it all works and they welcome stagers into what it is that they're doing. So we're excited because yeah. part of what we do at Resacon is, you know, we want to give everybody the education, which thank goodness you're on board to be able to do that um, with this particular topic. And then after um, Resacon, we're going to go over and take a tour of, of uh, the Las Vegas market. So anybody that's there, that's new, that doesn't have their feet wet yet and needs a little bit of handholding, we'll take them on a personal tour of everything and go into all the different showrooms that we work with and uh, show them how to how uh, to navigate the market, which is actually pretty easy once you digest it. It looks overwhelming when you first walk in, but in reality, it's three buildings, A, B, and C. Use the, use the elevators or the escalators and shop. It's that, it's that easy. <laughs> it really is that easy. They have a directory where you want to go. I will say if when people are uh, just starting out buying wholesale, the larger the order you can place, the more attention you're going to get. So if you walk in and you just um, want to buy a sofa and two end tables and a coffee table, um, you're going to, uh, fewer doors are going to be open to you. Mm -hmm. You walk in there and you've got $10,000 to blow at. Um, you know, uttermost or where, wherever it is. Yeah. Um, all of a sudden, everybody's going to want to be your best friend. Yeah. So. This is true. This is true. Um, let's talk about shipping for orders. People always ask, I just did a um, new member orientation earlier this morning and um, people worried if they're, if they're buying wholesale that they have to have a shipping dock, which is not always true. Um, for a lot of the box goods, they ship, you know, FedEx and UPS a lot of times um, to be able to get that to you. But what about receiving docks? Have do I know you both have your own buildings that you're in, but have you ever used a receiving uh, station or a receiving dock with somebody? Um, well, my last eight thousand square foot warehouse did not have a loading dock, mm -hmm. um, just ground level, and all you have to do is let the um, uh, delivery company or the vendor that you're purchasing from know that you need a delivery with a lift gate and they'll show up with a lift gate and a forklift and um, offload for you. Some delivery companies charge a little bit more. Usually it's around $75, um, but most of them are like, okay, thanks for letting us know. So, awesome. yeah. So well, you really, it's, it's definitely helpful to have a loading dock, but you don't have to have one. Um, I have a loading dock now at um, my current warehouse and we use it sometimes and, um, but most of the time not. So 
Very good. Very good. So are you guys going to cover like the logistics of the inside of the warehouse, how to maybe store some art and glassed items. And those are so many the lampshades, man, the, the lampshade controversy. It's like, it makes people head spins about the lampshades, man. Right? I, would, I would love to find a lampshade solution. I'm telling you, I know a lot of people are using the, uh, pedicure liner bags to put over the tops of them. I would think as, as you can get even your shades as, you know, as close to the same style as possible or the same types of look multiples of them and, right. um, you know, store them up all together. They're fragile. They're yeah. just, yeah. and um, they're not meant to be moved, um, you know, eight times a year or whatever. So um, they're going to get damaged and you're going to have to buy new ones. I've just, I've basically given up. We we keep ours um, it, stored in uh, large plastic trash bags, and um, we put them in a cardboard box when we're transporting them. But they still get damaged. They they get too squished together or whatever. Um, and it's for me, it's given up on trying to figure out lampshades. Yeah. Um, Todd. Todd, what are you doing? He wants so, in on the convo. <laughs> so we came up with something, and I'm not sure where we came up with it, but we transport our lampshades now in big giant garbage cans. And the garbage can is rigid enough with a lid on it. So we stack all of the lampshades, as many as we can, in the garbage can, and then that goes into the truck. And that is for us kind of, and we just started doing this probably about maybe a year or so ago, and it's actually been working quite well. So like, like, like Michelle says, you, we cause all of our own internal damage. And a lot of the stuff we use is not made to be, you know, used and taken off 400 times, you know, that we, that we, you know, stagers use it in general. So you kind of have to come up with out of the box thinking and ways to kind of protect your, because your, your inventory is what brings you the money. That's your money maker right there. And the more you can take care of it and preserve it for longer periods of time and not have to spend more money on buying furniture, the more profitable your business is going to be. Because a lot of times, if you let's just say you spend $100,000 on wholesale inventory and you use it for so many different times, you know, you go to have a, a sale, you know, you're not going to sell it, you know, you're not going to sell it for $100,000. You might sell everything for, you know, 10 or 20,000. So you're kind of in theory in the whole 80 to buy all new again. So you kind of have to get longevity out of your inventory. And that's what Michelle and I, you know, are going to chat about you know, different ways you can do that um, and have a successful business. Yeah, I love garbage cans are great for all kinds of stuff. Garbage. <laughs> yeah. Or screen. Oh, yeah. Or screen. In the barn, I've got all the, every, every horse has their own special recipe concoction up on a whiteboard and then the garbage can with, you know, Sharpie writing on whose it belongs to and how much they get. They're awesome. Right. It's a game changer, man. I'm telling you. Yep. I think well, stagers, yeah, stagers is, we're a unique little group of business owners. And it's like, you know, we're kind of designers, but then we're not. And, you know, we're, we're retail or, or um, you know, real estate marketing. So, but because we do what we do, we have to come up with out of the box solutions to a lot of problems that we have that most people don't think about. And I, I'm typically not one that sleep a lot. I'm, I get up early in the morning. I'm sometimes at the office. I was here this morning about 6.30. And I just, I think about a lot of stuff and it's my quiet time to think. So yeah, I think it's interesting, you know, to have people come to recent, you know, 
I'm a big believer in people that are just starting out, people that have been in this business. You know, I'm coming up on 20 years in May. I still think you can still learn from everybody because a lot of the newbies coming in, you know, have a different thought process than people have been doing it for 20 years. So they bring fresh ideas. So I think that's what's nice about um, Resicon is everybody from the whole spectrum comes together and you can all learn from each other. And I continue to learn stuff, you know, online in the Facebook groups every day. Yeah. I, I, have, I have never gone to a Risa convention and not learned really valuable game-changing yep. techniques or, you know, different ways of thinking or about financing or about, um, you know, it's, it's been incredibly valuable to me in building my business. Yeah, I love it. I love to hear feedback like that. It's a, it's a definitely a labor of love. We will, we will call it that. Um, every year it's, you know, you want to get the right speakers in and boy, this year I was, we were looking at all the subjects and we're like, man, what happened? This there's a, been a shift and just a whole different, um, it was a lot of fresh stuff, a lot of kind of a different slants on things. And, uh, so we're super excited to continue to, uh, launch our speakers out we're getting those messages out this week and i think you guys were the first session speakers that were released this week so congratulations <laughs> yeah we're deadly together i'm <laughs> <laughs> entertained right well, i'll tell you there's no better people to learn from i mean like i said you guys combined um amount of years in the industry and your experiences and you both are creative analytics and, you know, staging is always right brain, left brain, and you've got to kind of have both. And, and if you don't, you got to find somebody else with the other parts of the brain that you're missing in order to make it work. Oh, I, I'm yep. for that person. <laughs> you've you got know, a team and, of people. <laughs> you know, and Michelle and I, you know, I'm a huge believer in you've got to have fun in whatever you do. And real estate in general is just completely stressful. It doesn't matter if you're buying a house, selling a house, you're staging it. You're, you're the photographer, whatever it is, it's a, it's a bunch of stress. And so I kind of like to have fun and bring fun to the party a little bit and to kind of relax people. And I think that's what Michelle and I are kind of like an old married couple. It's like, you know, it's like, I, I like to not, and, you know, a long time ago, I would like be worried to rehearse going to these, to these presentations and rehearse and worrying about screwing up and everything. And I think there's a certain amount of calmness or a certain amount of relaxation yeah because you've done it enough you know and you I, I don't want to say we wing it but we do wing it and I think the more genuine you are with people during your presentation and the more real you are the more entertained people are and the more they get information out of it because you're not trying to be that perfect person and I think you know as, as you age you get a certain amount of you don't care what people think about you anymore and it really it's really freeing freeing <laughs> It, it is really freeing. And it's like, people are like, you know, you, when you realize they're there to learn, they're not there to judge or whatever else, the pressure's gone. And I think you get the most interaction out of people. Right. And we're, we're open to people asking questions of the course of the presentation because we feel like that feeds audience interest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's good. But, so all these are these sessions are like mini workshops where people are able to engage and, and talk back and forth about even real life situations. So if you're listening and you are, are sitting on Michelle and Todd's session, you can actually bring a real life situation, ask a question about it, and they're going to probably have a solution for you. So it's it's very interactive. It's not just two people standing up yip yapping at you for sure. Right. Well, I, 
Yeah, I think too that there's a certain amount of fear just in 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 general. If you ask a question, like people are going to think that you're stupid or you're less than or whatever. And I can tell you what, Michelle and I, we have effed up multiple times in in what we've been doing, and you always, huh? Speak for yourself. Okay. She's perfect, Todd. <laughs> I <know. laughs> but I think you have to let people know as seasoned stagers, yeah, we screw up, still screw up, and it's okay. And I think the, there's always have- a certain, yeah, there's we a certain don't. fear that if you don't try something and you fail, it's like we have failed at, at, at our business and that we have failed at so many different things. And I think fear of failure is what holds a lot of people back. It, it does, because you know what? When people talk about failure, they have this mindset like failure's the the end. It's nothing yeah. happens after that. And it's like, no, no, failure, that's the first step in fixing a problem. That's the blessing that that's coming to you. You just got to switch your mindset. It's not that you failed at something. It's just the results of what happened. And now you can analyze those results, change them, make it better and grow from it and move on. And it's a, it's just a mind shift issue. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a opportunity. Yeah. Oh, totally. Total opportunity. We yeah. do. I always like to uh, try and figure out solutions. I'm a, a I like uh, puzzles. I hate yes. I jigsaw puzzles, but I see life as a big puzzle. I see my business as a big puzzle and I love to figure out those puzzle pieces. So yeah, absolutely. We do um, at Risa when something goes wrong, something happens, whatever system we're using. So there's a, a failure some way. Uh, we reverse engineer it, do an autopsy on it. What went well? What didn't go well? What am I going to do different next time? Because if there's a mistake being made, you have to a you have to backtrack it to figure out why it happened, and then figure out how to make it sure it doesn't happen again. And it's the same thing in, in any business. You have to do that. And I mean, there are failures and technology issues and things that are out of your control, and um, you, you just have to fix it, put a bandaid yep. on it. There's this thing called employees. Yes. Yeah. It's amazing how much more you can get done with people. Yeah. And also the the um, complexity that they add the the whole uh, situation. Yeah, for sure. You definitely have that. We I I definitely like to. Um, I'm not a micromanager. I'm sure probably everybody knows me knows that. I want to hire good people to who want to own their role and I get out of their way. And it's mm-hmm. like, just yep. get out of their way, man. They'll do their good job. If they're that person you hire correctly, you're going to have somebody who's going to have just as much vested in your business as, as you do. And uh, you don't have to micromanage them and they can be part of the solutions. And, and uh, the only drawback sometimes is uh, when they're, when they end up being the part of the problem and it's not a good fit, but that's another session at ResaCon. I'm sure yeah. we're going to cover that too. <laughs> Are we having somebody speaking about uh, managing employees or? Uh, yeah, teams. Uh, we've got some HR things coming up. We've got legal. Um, so, you know, the big thing with the hiring uh, 1099 versus W-2 debacle that nobody understands and 90% are doing it wrong. Uh, right. We're going to talk about that again because it's always important to remind everybody. Um, but yeah, how to hire the right team to hire, uh, how to get them going, integrate them into your team. Right. That's excellent. Yeah. That's great. I I would look forward to seeing that session. Yep, absolutely. Well, Mm -hmm. we're at the end of our time already. I swear these 30 minutes go by like that. When you're having fun. You're having fun, man. Any last words, Michelle? 
everybody who can go to Risa should go to Risa. Uh, there's no good excuse uh, short of uh, being in the hospital or um, a tornado knocking out your local airport that you shouldn't go. It will help you grow your business. Um, it will make your business life so much better, which will spill over into your personal life. You'll get to network. You'll get to meet all these people that you're friends with on Facebook and Instagram. Um, I think I've there's been 13 so far, or is this the 13th one? Do you know? Since 2009. Right. Uh, I, can't, so this, I can't math backwards. This will be the 14th one. Um, I've been to every one. Um, I love going and I can't wait to see everybody. Todd, last words. I agree with Michelle. It's like, you know, I think it doesn't matter how long you've been in the business, everyone can learn something. And I, I think too, where I think I've learned a lot of the little staging nuggets that people talk about is a lot of times in kind of the, the evening mixers and things when people break out and, you know, do little cocktail groups or this or that, and they get into smaller, intimate little groups of, you know, 10 or 20 people or whatever. That's when you start to just hash out the business stuff really though you know the nuts and bolts of a lot of stuff and i think you know the the um presentations are amazing the whole environment is amazing and i think it's just you know i don't want anyone to think because you know michelle and i are kind of you know entrenched in this we're kind of the grandparents of all this so far but i just want people to think you know that we're not untouchable you know come up and talk to us we're friendly and you know we enjoy giving back and i think you know if something that michelle or i can say will help someone just some random thing it more the better we're happy to do it yep. yeah it's a good feeling I, I like when when i know that i've helped somebody like when i do a coaching call and i hang up i'm like yes nailed it you know it's like and they feel the energy that you have put into them and they walk away so empowered and I think that's one of the, a good word for RisaCon is that people walk away empowered. And if you, you know, if you went to RisaCon before and it was at the Treasure Island, it was a much smaller event, you haven't been back, come back and try us again. Uh, we're at the M Resort. It's absolutely stunning. If you went in July at the Hilton, was not our normal stop, just so everybody knows, was not on purpose. Yeah. It was out of sheer desperation because... Yeah. They're choosing, <laughs> choosing venues. Everybody thinks, oh, you just go to Caesars or go here. It's like, it's no, y'all, you don't understand mm -hmm. event planning. Does not quite work that way. Yeah. Uh, we would be, we would be the program. Our size would be like this compared to when Ford Motor Company comes in and they take up this much of their energy and we're this. So yeah. the uh, service is not the same, but the M, we got that one dialed in. It's a stellar luxury resort. Yeah. Uh, not a lot of smoke anywhere. What were you going to say, Michelle? Uh, it's a, it's really nice. I'm so happy that we're back at the yep. M. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Uh, All right, yeah. everybody, you heard it here first from these two legends, grandma, grandpa, stager. <laughs> I said it, not me. <laughs> love you, Michelle. <laughs> love, so love. Check us out. Get to Risa Khan. Um, thank you for joining me on another episode of stager talk. Michelle Minch. Todd McAllister, I really do appreciate everything you do for the industry. Thank you so much. And to everybody else, until next time, happy staging. Bye. Bye. That's a wrap. All right, guys. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. <laughs>